You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. We are starting a series on what is truth, and um, which is really, really important. And as I study the Word of God, it really is doing something in my heart, shifting things in my heart more because of the power of, of God's Word. And maybe before we dive into we're going to show a short video of um, what people out in the streets, out in the world, what people are saying about what they think truth is. And um, we're going to dive in to say, see what God says truth is. All right, God's word, what is truth? The world, the, God says what truth is. And he says truth is really, really clearly truth is absolute. The world, what they think truth is, they say truth is relative. It's not absolute. They think truth is whatever you think truth to be. And so we're going to try to answer the question, what is truth? Because the world is saying one thing and God is saying another thing. If you turn to your Bibles in John chapter 18, um, if I was to say to you, why did Jesus come to the earth? Most of us, which is correct and really, really right, is to save us from our sins, 100%. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to die on the cross. He, he came to pay the penalty. He, was, he redeemed us, which implies we were in bondage, which means that we were um, bound in sin. He came to set us free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Um, there's many, many true, uh, truth that you can say, yeah, that's correct. But you know what Jesus said why he was born? He gave us a reason for this end and for this cause I was born. And he gave us very, very clear uh, reason in the scriptures when he's standing before Pilate just before he was getting crucified and if you pick it up in um, let's pick it up from verse 33 then Pilate entered the praetorium again called Jesus and said to him are you the king of the Jews and Jesus answered him are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me Pilate answered Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to, you, to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world. What's the reason? that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the, of the truth or of the side of truth hears my voice. So Jesus gave us a reason why he was born, why he had to come into our earth. It was to bear witness of the truth. If I said to you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, tomorrow or Monday, I'm going to go and give witness in court. If I'm going to give witness... If I'm going to do it in a, in a court of law, it's because a trial is on. I'm giving my version of the truth. I'm giving my witness, but a trial is on. So when Jesus says, I'm bearing witness, you know why? Because truth is on trial. Is I'm bearing witness of the truth. Jesus came, was born. We know that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh. He came to represent truth because He is truth. So he goes, I come to give witness to truth. The battle of the ages is the battle of truth. It's a battle of worldviews, if I can say it that way. 
Because God says something about truth, but the world usually says the opposite of what God says truth is. The world meaning, we know, definition of the world is the worldview of people that don't know God, don't have a relationship with God. And behind that is obviously the devil, Satan, the flesh, and the world in its whole entirety. The battle that is raging from the beginning of time to now is about truth. Because when you understand, even in the beginning, in the garden, what was on question? God is truth. We know God is good. He's so beautiful, so loving and everything. He says, I've given all these trees of the garden for you to eat of. You can eat so much. There's so much things you can do in the will of God. There's only this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of it. If you eat of it, you will die. That's the truth. And then Satan came and lied and said, did God really say? Contradicted what God said. Did God really say? Put a question mark on what God said. And that started the whole battle. Because when Adam and Eve said, oh, and, and, and Satan said, if you eat of it, you'll be like God. What another lie. They're already made in God's image. They're already made in God's likeness. What do you mean if you eat of it, you'll be like God? They're already made in the image of God. That's a lie. And when they took hold of it, they accepted the lie and fell from God and separated from their relationship with God. And so what's been on the battle of the ages is truth. God says really clearly in this word, like, to, to, what is truth? What a great answer. What a great question when Pilate says to Jesus, because Jesus says, I came to, I was born. For this reason I was born, for this cause I came into the world, to bear witness of the truth. That means truth is on trial. The devil and all the, they're, they're, they're trying to get people to believe lies. Truth is on trial. And Jesus says, I'm going to come and bear witness for the truth. When you think about it, he did it, the way he brought the truth into this world. And, and, Jesus, and Pilate says, what is truth? The Bible says he walked away after he said it. He says, what is truth? Like, he wouldn't have said, what is truth? Like, please answer me. He would have said, what is truth? And walked away. From the one who had the greatest authority on truth could have answered him. And he walks away. And he commits the greatest crime of all time. Killing the Son of God. Allowing him to be crucified. Which was God's ultimate plan anyway. When we understand truth and we understand who truth is and where truth comes from and understand the nature of what truth is, again, I'll say it again, the nature of what truth is, we will gaze and look into the face of God. Because God is truth. Remember Jesus says in uh, uh, John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They're powerful words. When you read the original, he's actually saying, I'm way, I'm truth, I'm life. In the English, we have to say the way, it doesn't sound right, and the life, and the truth. But he actually says, I'm truth. The person of Jesus is truth. And the way, the word way is the road, the journey. You know, when you say, oh, I don't know what to do, I don't know what's the will of God, I don't know the journey, I don't know what, what's my way, what am I supposed to when you've, when you've got Jesus, you'll have the way. You'll have the journey. You'll have the road. It's a road, really. Because I am the road. Well, I'm the road. I'm way. You have me, you'll have it. The way, the journey. And, and he says, if you have me, you'll have truth. I'm truth. I'm life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what is truth? We, we're going to try to answer that. 
when we understand the very reason why Jesus came was to bear witness of the truth, he, in the New Testament, there was 75 times in the New Testament alone that Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. Why? He's bearing witness of the truth. In the Gospel of John, he says it 25 times. Truly, truly, I say unto you. And he, he tells the truth. He's speaking truth. He's bear witnessing of the truth. In John 17, verse 17, it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Set us apart. So we're sanctified by the truth. We're set apart, made holy by truth. Truth has a cleansing effect. It changes us. It transforms us. It washes us. When you accept truth, it changes and washes you. And Jesus, and Jesus says, your word is truth. Your word is truth. And the truth sanctifies us, sets us apart, cleanses us. The John 4 verse 24, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're to worship God in spirit and truth. You can't just worship God in spirit without truth. Truth, you have to, it, it's, the, it's the nature of how we worship God. We have to walk in truth, live in truth, and God is looking for true worshippers. The, the type of worship He's seeking after is when you worship in spirit and truth. It's the way we're called by God to, to, to worship Him. In John 8 verse 32, He says, To those Jews that believed in Him, I think it's important to understand this is the context He's talking to, to Jews that believed in Him, he says to them, if you abide in my word, if you live in my word, the word abide means to live, to stay, to live in the word, you, then you will be my disciples. You can't just say, I'm a disciple if you don't live in the word. Because he goes, and you, shall, sorry, he goes, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So now he's saying the truth will make you free. And, and not truth by itself doesn't make you free. It's the truth you know makes you free. If I know truth, that's not going to set you free. It's the truth you know will set you free. So truth has a way of setting us free. It, it liberates us. Why? The only access the enemy has against you and I. Listen to this. It's so important. The only way that he can attack you, the only way he can keep you captive, the only way he can have access to you and, and attack you in any way is when you believe a lie. When you and I believe a lie, we are giving authority over to the devil. It's a simple lie that I'm not that worthy and nobody loves me and I'm not that special. And I feel, if, I feel I'm, if I feel I'm insecure and I'm not loved by God, then I believe a lie, I'm going to be bound up. Yeah. To the degree that I believe that I'm not loved and nobody cares about me, God doesn't love me, I'm not very valuable, I'm, I'm believing a lie. I'm going to walk around insecure. And I'm going to walk around trying to impress everybody, trying to get love because I don't believe that I'm loved. True? If I don't believe... The, the, the simple... Lack of faith that God is a good father and a good God and he said he'll supply all my needs. If I don't believe that I'm a be and I believe a lie, the alternative is fear and doubt and worry and anxiety. I don't trust God as my heavenly father. I don't trust he'll provide for me. So whenever I have a natural need, I, oh no, I don't know what's going to happen. What happens if I can't pay the bills? That's fear. That's bondage. I'm trying to help us see that truth sets us free. When I really believe that God loves me, how many times have I just said, God, I cast my cares upon you because you care for me. Yeah. If I really believe that, I'm just giving him my cares. Yeah. And I'm no longer bombarded with worry because yeah. I believe it. Because truth, the truth sets you free. 
Jesus says also, John chapter 14, verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And he called him the spirit of truth. And then when he does come, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So he gives us his word. His word is truth. Jesus says, I'm truth. We know therefore God is truth. Jesus himself says, I, I'm truth. He gives us his, word, his spirit. His spirit is truth. The spirit will guide you into all truth. We're sanctified by truth. We worship God in spirit and in truth. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 4, it says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Your salvation is so connected, it's linked to coming to the truth. You can't get saved without coming to the truth. So I'm saved, I've got Jesus died on the cross, well, I don't know about truth. No, truth is the reason why you got saved. Because you accepted God's definition of truth. You know what God says about truth. Now, God says His truth is absolutely true. Okay? The world, what, what does the world say about truth? That it's relative. That it's up to you what you believe. That it's all, if you think it's true, then to you it's true. What am, who am I to tell you that's not true? That's how the world wants to see that. So the world's got a view of, about truth and it's relative. It's just whatever you think it to be true. That, that, that does not work. In the physical world, in a physical law, we're living in a physical world with physical laws. One plus one, no matter what you say about it, no matter what your opinion is about it, it is not three, even though you say, uh, my opinion is three. Well, who are you to tell me that it's not three? No, but it is two. No matter what you think about it, it's two. In the physical world, that's how we see it. Gravity is the same thing. If I say I don't believe in gravity, gravity doesn't exist. It's a figment of people's imagination. My, relative, my relativity of truth when it comes to gravity is that it's not really true. Everyone's telling us there's gravity. There's no such thing as gravity. I'm on top of the building. I don't believe in gravity. I don't believe in gravity. Ah! Gravity will not respect my belief. Even though I'm convinced that gravity doesn't exist. Gravity is a physical law. Do you know the physical whole world? The whole physical world is the reflection of the spiritual world. Seeds, trees, fruit. Jesus used these examples to reflect the spiritual world all the time. The spiritual world, the principles of the spiritual world is connected to the physical world. That's why the physical world is operating that way because it's got, a, it's got a father, so to speak, a parent, a spiritual parent, meaning the spiritual world. And so in the spiritual world, you can't just say, well, I don't believe that's right. I just choose to believe it's wrong. Well, it doesn't matter what you say about it. What you sow, you will reap. I don't believe in that. Well, it doesn't matter what you believe, but what you sow, you will reap it. If you show people anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and you please your flesh and you sleep around, it's going to come back to you. It'll bite you. You'll reap the consequences. Your marriage will bust up. People won't like you. Because you're sowing something. No matter what, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe people are going to love me anyway. No, they won't. If you don't show love, people won't love you. Because it's a spiritual law. It doesn't matter what you believe about it. It's so important to catch the truth. It's so powerful. So, so important. And in the beginning, the whole war, the whole battle was on truth because Satan lied to Adam and Eve. And they said, we're not going to trust you, God. We're going to believe a lie. And ever since, lies have been perpetuated. What does God say about man? What does God's word say? We've got to understand the differences. God says, mankind... 
man and female made in God's image and God's likeness. Wow, isn't that amazing? That's what God says about us. We're made in His image. He created us. We have a Father. He designed us for a purpose, for a destiny. He's got books in heaven written about our whole life. I mean, that's very valuable. Before the creation of the world, He's thought about us more than all the sand on the seashore. I mean, that's magnificent. What does the world say about mankind? We, by chance, evolved. We evolved out of random, just chance, out of the muck, out of the mush, out of the... It evolved into this little thing and then that thing and then we grew up having millions and millions and millions and millions. No designer. We became apes and then we became, we grew up and over billions and billions of years we became human. We're evolving. That is ridiculous. Very ridiculous. Because I know you see all the animals of the world. The magnificent millions of different species. The design of the, 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 the birds, the the, the eagles, the feathers, the, the fish, I mean, on and on, the elephants, the giraffe, the magnificent animals are designed by God. And you told me they all got evolved. They all by chance happened to, to be designed so beautifully, so perfectly, so with so much majesticness. It takes more faith to believe you came out of this, evil, this muck of the earth, this mush. God made us in his image. That's what God says about us. That's what the world says about us. God, what does God say about man? That we are sinful because of the fall of man. Now we're made in God's image, made in God's likeness. We're separated. We disobeyed God. That's when we fell. What does the world say about mankind? If you really work at it, you can make yourself better. It's all good in all of us. And just work at it. You know, the humanistic gospel or the humanistic message is there's a good inside you. Just be better all the time. And you can find God inside you. And it's, that's the message. We, you can go to all the different... Maybe there's a, there's a list between God verses that I've got on one of the um, things, if you can find that. Um, the guys are doing an amazing job. Marcus did a fantastic job this morning. Sophie's doing an amazing job because I gave him a lot of scriptures and a lot of things. But what does God say about unity of marriage? To be married and the two become one flesh. What does the world communicate about? Just division. Just have divorce. It's fine. No problem. What about God's, what, is, what does God say about diversity? He says everything about a lot of things. What, is this, what does he say about the diversity of man and a woman? He gave man a particular function, woman a particular function. And what does he say? That he divides us. But what does the world say? Oh, just unify. So we have homosexual marriages or gay marriages or gay people. You know, we, that's, that's what the world says. It's fine. You can do whatever you want. Absolutely fine. Same with um, the roles of a man and a woman. God gives us different roles for our function. And what does the world say about the roles? Jealousy. They, they try to put so, so in jealousy and it becomes a women's lib thing where women should never have had to fight for their liberation. They should never have been in bondage in the first place because God doesn't put them there. Responsibilities. The world says we blame others. Just blame others. Someone had a hot, hot drink at McDonald's many years ago and the hot coffee... She spilt over herself and she sued McDonald's for millions of dollars. Why? She blamed. And that's, that's just the spirit of this world. We blame mothers. We don't take responsibility. Authority. The world says, just rebel. Don't worry about authority. Don't submit to authority. Don't be accountable to other people. The world's message is rebellious. Rebellion. Delegation. God delegates this. The world would say tyranny. Now, you might think, what are you talking about, Leah? You know, like... If there was no consequences, I thought about this a few days ago when I was in the cafe just meditating and preparing. I thought, I know what human nature's like. If there were no consequences, no police, 
No court of law. No judge. No justice system. Nothing. In other words, no matter what you do, you won't be answerable to what you do. Not a, not a bit. We'd have tyranny. We've had anarchy. Any nation that loses its police force or army and justice system and it's broken down is anarchy. There's looting happening. Everyone thinks, oh, well, if I go into a shop and grab everything, everyone else is doing it, I'm going to go do it because there's no consequence. The sinful nature drives people to do that. It's a rebellion. And, uh, and so on. Freedom, God gives us freedom. The world wants to give bondage because we believe a lie. You know what we have done with the truth in the Scriptures? Romans 1 verse 18, it says we suppress the truth. Acts 20 verse 30, we distort the truth. All in the Bible. Romans 2 verse 8, we reject the truth and follow after evil. Romans 1 25, we exchange the truth, for, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. This is what we've done to the truth. We distort, we reject, we, we suppress it, and we've exchanged it. The battle is between truth and lies. It's like God and Satan. Yeah, obviously Satan... He's the one that spread the lies. And then there's light and darkness. You know, there's the children of God and there's the children of the devil. First John actually says that he who listens, who is of the way of truth will listen to us. But he who doesn't listen to us is not from truth. Jesus said the same thing to Pilate. You know, Jesus said to the Jewish people of his day. I want to read it to you really quickly. In John 8... We're close by. John 8 verse 44. He's talking to the Jewish Pharisees and so on. And he says to them, you are of your father, the devil. What? And the, de- the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. It does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. There's no truth in Satan whatsoever. Whenever he speaks, he speaks a lie. Because he speaks... From his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I just want us to see this separation. Satan has no authority over you unless you believe a lie. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. And he goes on about him standing for the truth and they, they rejecting him. And he goes, Oh, we have no father, but we don't have any other father except Abraham. He goes, If, if Abraham was your father, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't be. Rejected me and wanted to kill me. You know, sin and um, sin is a close nature. Or it is deceptive by nature. Why is sin deceptive? Sin is missing the mark, isn't it? It's missing the mark of what God wants us to do. You know, like God's will. We, we disobey God's will. We sin. And in Romans 7.22, it says, sin deceives me. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 says, Every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. Ephesians 4.22 says, Put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires. And in Hebrews 3 verse 13, So that none of you may be hardened with sin's deceitfulness. Now why is sin deceitful? Because sin's based on a lie. Sin's based on fear and a lie. If, For example, let's say if anyone's ever tempted to lie... Uh, lie is a good point but what about stealing you ever tempted to steal something you're basically saying I'll provide for my own need I don't trust God to provide for me because he's not your number one God and source so you say and you know, oh, no, I would never steal what about lying over your taxes I just, just, just I won't declare that why because I'm going to provide I'll be God I'll provide for myself I will make sure that I can get more here so I'll lie over this 
you're tempted to sin is based on a lie because God's based on truth. A lie to provide for you because you're not trusting God to provide. God has put man and woman together. He says when you know, husband and wife get married, they fall in love. They made a love covenant. They're married and then God blesses them with this amazing gift called sex, making love. Amazing. God, God came up with the idea. It belongs to God, not the world. But the world has its own idea about sex. It's not, you, don't, you don't have it in the boundaries of marriage. Just do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. And, it, and it, it pollutes it. It dilutes it. It makes it dirty. makes it yucky. This is what the world does. But whenever we are tempted to any type of sexual immorality within marriage or outside of marriage, anything, pornography, masturbation, all the things you can go and think about, Sleeping with a woman when you're married to, and you sleep with another woman, you're saying to yourself, I'll provide my need. I have a sexual need, I'll provide it, I'll be God. You don't trust God's model, God's picture, God's provision, God's truth. He said, This is the best way. I've got the best way. So we, we mess up things. I'm trying, to make, I'm trying to make it clear. It's not easy. I want you to please hear my heart. Truth, the battle of the ages is truth. And the battle of the ages is worldview. What God says about something and what the world says about something. We've got to discern. We've got to know the truth so much because Jesus is truth. We've got to know him so much that when the world says something about a particular thing, it's worldview. I can discern that's not from God. That's why salvation is so connected to truth because it's based on truth. Because what does God say about man? Sinful nature. Therefore, if I've got a sinful nature and you have a sinful nature, I have a debt towards God because God created me. I'm accountable to God. That's what the truth says. I'm accountable to God for my life and for my disobedience. And I have to, I have to pay a debt that I could never pay. So if I try to pay my debt, what am I going to do? What's the first inclination? What I'll do if I think I'm going to pay for my debt? Try to be good enough. Yeah. If I be enough good works, I might pay up for all the bad. That's, 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 the, that's the false stuff. So God knew you could never get to him. So I'll send my son. He'll live perfect life. He represents truth. He is holy. He's pure. He came from a virgin birth. He dies on the cross for free and pays the penalty for all of mankind. When you believe my goodness, my love, my mercy, my free gift of salvation, that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, when you accept it by faith, it changes you from the inside out. Because you don't have to do anything to deserve it. You just receive it. That's why it's based on truth. If you try to get saved any other way, you're trying to do it in your own works. Trying to pick yourself up from your own socks. You'll never do it. You're drowning. How do you, if you don't know how to swim and you're in the water, how do, you, how do you save yourself? You just can't. It's impossible. It's just not going to happen. But when you understand the truth of the gospel, he paid the penalty for you and you accept by faith and my sins are forgiven because God himself paid for it. Wow. That's good news, guys. We've got the best news to tell the world. The best news. So the postmodernism of relativity, you know, relativism, relativism is your truth is your truth. Who am I to tell you that that's wrong? You can't, and therefore there's no judgment whatsoever. This guy was teaching some people in the university in in America, young people. This is the this is the generation we're living under now, right now. So much has changed people. You think, oh no, I'm fine, but I've grown up in a different culture, whatever. But some people, this is what we're learning. They, he told the story of a Muslim fam, a person, a terrorist Muslim, not just Muslim, terrorist, in like a, a ISIS sort of thing. 
And the wife wanted to escape. She tried to escape, and she was mutilated and killed badly. And the young people says, well, who are we to say that was wrong? Who are we to say that we judge their culture and their belief system? We can say that that's how bad we're getting. We can't even judge anything anymore. Like the notion to judge is you can't judge anyone because there's no such thing as truth. That's where we're going. That's where the culture is standing for. That's why it's okay. You know, if you, you teach little children now, they're sexist and their gender. Don't assume my gender. I could be whatever I want to be. And there's supposed to be 300 plus sexual orientations now. 300 plus. And they want to teach our children this. Now, God uses, God uses, uh, in Isaiah, he uses this example. God is quite upset with his people and he says, you, you, you chop down a tree, you grab the wood and you cook food, food over it. You'll use it for fuel for your food. And the other half of it, you make an idol and you bow down to it and you say, save me. And he basically says how silly that is. And he goes, on, your, on one hand, you, you cook food over it. And the other hand, you, you make an idol. And on your right hand that you're holding the idol, you say, save me. It's you, my God. He says, on your right hand is a lie. He calls it a lie. An idol is a lie. It's based on a lie. And what's the definition of truth? Can I tell you straight out? The de- definition of truth is reality. Because God, what he says about truth, it's reality. The word truth, when you look it up in the Greek, it actually means reality. It means reality. So the opposite of reality is what? Insanity. It's actually, the definition of insanity is losing touch with reality. Do you know that? And some people say, oh, they're insane. It's because they're no longer in touch with reality. Because truth brings reality. And we, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that in the last days, we will call good evil and we'll call evil good. That's exactly what's happening. But we as the church need to know, we have to stand up for truth and go, you know what? Truth is my God. That's the face of God. That's who God is. Do you know, and I thought about how many people have died in the name of truth. How many people fought for this Bible to be in the people's hands and were killed for the truth? This is a battle of the ages. Since Jesus walked the earth to now, they reckon around 70 million people be martyred because they wanted to stand for truth. Just because they want to be a Christian. want to be a follower of Jesus in, in the ages gone by. If you had a Bible in your hand, you'd get killed. People that wanted to write this Bible. For, I mean, I'm passionate because I know it's the battle of the ages. It's what we have to stand for. And we have to believe the truth to the point, if you go to jail, you go to jail. If you get killed, you get killed. That's how much we love the truth because it's our God. There's a, there's a little quick um, video of a little boy. and Because and, people call us people of faith. But we don't have faith in faith. We have hope. We don't have hope in hope. We don't have faith in faith. We have faith in God as a person. There's faith in a person and what he has said to us. Not faith in faith, not hope in hope. We hope in a person. And this is a way, if you quickly show this video, if it's ready to play, if we've got it ready. Imagine this boy, just imagine that he couldn't swim, but he wants to play. He wants to go in the water. And imagine if he couldn't swim. So he's got a lot of fear to jump. 
but his mum's there. He can't overcome fear in himself, can he? He can't just say, I'm not going to fear. The reason why we jump and we listen to God and we trust him is because our trust in our mum. Our trust in our father who's in the water going to catch us. So our faith overcomes our fear. Faith in God, but faith in a person, faith in what he's told us. I don't want to jump. I'm scared. I can't swim. I can't do it. I've got fear and emotion. Faith isn't getting rid of the fear. It's trusting and you overcome your feelings of fear because of your trust in your father. What do you think Jesus was doing when he said, um, uh, oh, ye of little faith, he says, why do you worry? Why do you take thought? Why worry? And he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't, make, they don't have storerooms where they get all the seed and prepare for themselves and I've got lots of food ready. They just trust God. And he says, look at the flowers. They, got, they don't spin. They don't make anything you know, to clothe themselves. But they're clothed by God so amazingly. And he's basically saying, if God takes care of the birds of the air, which compared to you, you're va- far more valuable. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers. And they're clothed better than Solomon. They got better clothing than Solomon. I mean, Solomon was majestic the way he clothed himself. He's the greatest, richest king of all time. And Jesus is saying that the flowers are clothed by God better than Solomon. And how much more value are you? Are you of little faith? What's he saying? Faith in anything? No, faith in God. We'll get rid of worry. We'll get rid of... If you've got worry and anxiety, it means that I believe a lie. I don't believe that God really loves me enough to care for me. He'll take care of me. Now, I'm not saying to get rid of it in one second. It's a relationship. It's a relationship as you grow more and more and you trust Him. He comes through in the little things. And you start seeing Him come through in other things. And now they're not so little, the bigger things. And your faith grows. Your trust in Him as a person grows because you're building your life on truth, not on lies. Imagine, I'm just going to give you a statement. I'm bringing it to a close. Imagine if we really believed what we really believed. Imagine if you and I really believe what you believe is really real. So you really believe that God is inside of you. That we really believe when I come before God and you come before God, that God himself says we come before the throne of God. If I really believe what I really believed is real, I've got the attention of God. God's listening to me. I've approached God. I'm in His presence. He's living in me. But now I'm approaching you because of the blood of Jesus and I can. I wouldn't struggle to pray. I wouldn't want to leave prayer. I wouldn't want to leave that presence of God because I really believe. If we believed what we really believed, we changed the world. It's what the apostles did. They really believed what they really believed. We've got the truth. We need to believe the truth. Stand on the truth. Fight for the truth. That's why the truth himself sanctifies us, sets us apart, changes us. We're going we're gonna to look at it a little bit more in the next few weeks, hopefully go a little bit deeper. But please hear my heart. The way we're supposed to treat people that are outside and don't know his love, don't know his goodness. The Bible says we're supposed to be gentle. Supposed to be gracious. We seize our, our conversation should be seasoned with grace and we should be loving and non judgmental because we were, we were also there. 
So we do it gently. We do it with love. We, we speak the truth in humility, in grace, in love, non-judgmental whatsoever. Guys, that's where we were. And but the grace of God, we would still be there. So it's, it's not that... It's like... I heard someone say, it's like a beggar finding where the bread is. Telling another beggar, this is where the bread is. So it's not that we found something, we got something greater. It's just we've come to Christ and He's given us the bread of life. Amen? You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.